0: You are listening to The Secrets of Middle-earth on SQPN.com.
1: The battle for Middle-earth is about to begin.
0: Where do you travel to find Middle-earth? How can you fight the shadows of Angmar? Created the dwarves. Before I thought I'd die fighting side by side with the elf. Why are elves immortal? You will linger on in darkness and in doubt, It's night falling until it comes without a star. What is the ultimate evil of Sauron? Join me on a quest for answers through the books, the movies and the games that tell us the legendary adventures of hobbits, dwarves, men and elves in Tolkien's Middle-Earth. Hello and welcome back to Middle-Earth. I'm Father Roderick and I'm in the big hallway, the central hallway of the Last Homely House, this impressive building that we visited last uh, time And uh, it's dark outside, but the place is lit by these huge purple-coloured lanterns. It's such an impressive place with the marble on the floor and the beautiful, elegant elven architecture surrounding me, all the ornamentation. Very different from uh, dwarven architecture, which is all very square and solid, and let's not even mention the hobbit holes, (laughs) it's just a hole in the ground. No wonder that Bilbo and Frodo were just baffled when they first visited the last homely house. And um, Sam, Sam Gamgee, who, again, uh, only knew Hobbit architecture, he's like, wow, I can't believe this place. It's, it's such a big house and there's always more to discover. You never know what you will find around a corner. And that's exactly my experience as well because there's a room here on the, the eastern side of the hallway... And I've never been here before and I somehow always overlook this door but I'm walking through it and here's a little hallway um, with some pots with uh, mushrooms growing in it and straight ahead I can see a hobbit and this is a a circular room or uh, let me see I think it's more octagonal and uh, it's a bedroom with a beautiful elven bed, and Frodo is standing uh, next to the bed, uh, together with Gandalf, and he's having a conversation with uh, Gandalf the Grey. And uh, this of course is the place where Frodo is brought to recover um, after the attack by the the Ringwreath, and and he's been saved and brought here to recover, and in the room adjacent to uh, the, the sleeping room is another uh, octagonal room with a small fireplace and uh, there are some more hobbits walking around here. First of all you've got of course uh, Frodo's best friend um, Sam and then you've got the Tooks <laughs> that are uh, in the building and uh, well I don't know they must be you know, telling each other jokes I don't know it's uh, of course uh, Peregrine and Meriadoc. Both rooms are uh, beautifully decorated. Uh, for instance, in this room there's a, there's a nice stained glass window of a big uh, bird, paradise bird. There are also these um, uh, woven tapestries on the walls, and all of them carry uh, elven uh, symbols. Uh, there's a tapestry here, of, uh, and I've seen exactly the same tapestries in the library, in Elrond's library, uh, but th- th- this one on the left has a big tree and some mountains in the distance, and the tree is surrounded by stars. And this uh, next to that, you 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 find a tapestry that is um, completely, you know, it's there's a big star in the middle, and then um, seven other stars surrounding it. Here's a tapestry of a of a ship, and uh, of course that has to do with, well, the connection between the elves and, uh, and the sea and the water and we'll probably talk about that later on in the show. And then finally there's a, a tapestry with the moon, half, the half moon um, and also some stars in that picture. So again uh, Sam was totally right that you never know what you'll, uh, what you'll discover once you start exploring this huge uh, home, last homely house. Now the, the strange thing is that on the inside. The house is much bigger than it looks from the outside. And um, let me go outside here, because I want to describe the exterior as well. As I said, the um, the last homely house from the outside looks very different from the inside. You, you'd never expect such a big hallway on the inside. There's, there's a, a huge tower in this, well, it's not really in the center of the building, but let's say um, it's definitely in the center of the hallway, but the building extends more to the west uh, with uh, all sorts of rooms and guest quarters. And I think that the big um, kind of dinner type room with the, the, the big fire um, is, is also on the, on the left side, on the western side of the Last Homely House. It's, it's uh, itself, the, the Last Homely House itself is located uh, pretty high up the valley, or the, let's say, the, um, the hill that leads up to the mountains. I'm crossing a bridge here, and I can see uh, this huge waterfall. The, and the, the cold water comes straight from, uh, from the Misty Mountains. And uh, I notice here in the distance, there's an elf standing here. Let's see who this is. Let's see.
1: What can I do for you?
0: Well, you could tell me who you are. And actually, I know who you are. It's a Glorfindel. It's one of the elves. Apparently living here, or at least he's located here in in Rivendell. And I think it's time for me to uh, head over to the Spire, the Spire of Meeting, or the Meeting Spire. And that's where I'm going to meet the other panel members of uh, the Secrets of Middle-Earth. Because I'm sure that they can tell me a lot more about the elves. I'm crossing another bridge, and I can see the spire in the distance there, it's actually uh, starting to uh, get light again, it's, it's in the early morning. And you know the, the strange thing is, listen to the sounds here you hear the, the the sound of the water, but you also hear birds that normally you would only hear in, in summertime and yet all the trees are golden brown and yellow and red so there's a strange mix here Uh, also next uh, underneath the trees you see a lot of flowers which you wouldn't associate with autumn and so uh, one of the one of the mysterious aspects of this place is that actually Elrond uh, being the carrier of one of the rings is able to influence the weather and to uh, to modify it so that you don't get the extreme. So there's a little bit of a mix. That's why I was so confused in the last episode about, is this autumn or is this summertime or is this springtime? It, it looks as if this is a mix of all these three seasons together. And apparently that is one of, the, one of the things that Elrond can do thanks to the power of the ring that he's carrying. He can avoid... The extremes it, weather-wise, and so it never gets really cold, but and it never gets really super springtime or super hot uh, either. So let me walk up uh, this spire, and uh, let's greet our panel members. Hey guys, good morning. Good morning, inge We also have Dave, Laura, and Josh. Good morning, Father. Good morning. It's Hello, good, Father. It's good to meet you again. So, uh, I was in the last homely house, and I was describing these uh, these tapestries with the symbols of the stars and the the ship. Uh, does anyone have an idea what what those tapestries refer to? Especially, I'm I'm intrigued by the by the stars that I see on all these tapestries, and and also in the the other decorations, in um, in, in Rivendell.
2: Well, the seven stars might refer to the seven palantir perhaps because they're mentioned in that poem sevens, seven stars I'm sorry I'm, I'm forgetting the poem now uh, seven stars and and one white tree seven stars and seven stones and one white tree
0: mm. okay so the white tree that's that was on the other tapestry so mm-hmm. yeah you might be right I, I also thought it was um, <clears throat> referring to one of the first names that were given to the elves by um, what's oh, that, I, I have a, always always uh, difficult time pronouncing these these strange middle Earth names. But Vala Oromë, is that correct? Oromë. Or, Oromë. Yes. Um, so Oromë, uh, when he first saw the elves when they were created, he he, he named them Eldar, uh, which means people of the stars. And so for them, the elves were you know reminded him of uh, of stars. And that might be a good segue to uh, this—the this, whole origin of, of the elves. Um, th- that's one of the most intriguing things in the stories of Middle Earth. Is you know, where do these elves come from, and how old are they, and will they be around forever and ever because they seem to be immortal? Any one of the of the other uh, visitors of uh, of Rivendell wants to chime in on that?
2: Yeah. Uh- I was just going to give us a little summary of of where the elves come from, um, because that's something that Tolkien wrote about in the Silmarillion, and I know not everybody has read the Silmarillion, but I do urge everybody to read that, because it's it's really, it it can be a little rough going sometimes, but um, stick with it, because there's a lot in there, so... Um, yeah, the El, the the story of the elves starts actually before time begins when Eru Iluvatar made the Ainur the holy ones. And I believe you talked about that in a previous podcast, Father, when you talked about the origin of the dwarves. Exactly. Um, the Ainur are the... Are the race of the Valar and the Maiar and they're roughly equivalent to what we would think of as archangels and angels so the archangels would be the Valar and the angels the Maiar I mean they're not exactly the same but that's sort of the same level that we're talking about um, so in before time began uh, Ilvatar gave the Ainur a theme and asked them to create this great music and They did that, and while they were doing that, Melkor, who's later called Morgoth, who's actually become Sauron's master, um, started to create power of his own and introduced his own themes, and he created this great dissonance in the music. And when the dissonance was actually at its highest, Iluvatar stopped the music, and he said, there's no theme that doesn't have its ultimate source in me, because whoever attempts this is going to prove my instrument in making things more wonderful than than he could even imagine. So, you know, in other words, the, the deeds of Melkor and Morgoth and even Sauron only serve to further the plans of Iluvatar, even though that seems counterintuitive, but it's a little bit like our Christians saying that all things work for the glory of God in the end, so... So I so I sort of summarize the whole creation myth there in right <laughs> pretty short time yeah and and, and were um, the
0: elves created first before any of the other uh, peoples that we see
2: because yeah, I know, I know uh, that the dwarves so when did- showed showed the Ainur the shape that their song had taken mm-hmm. that was the earth that was Arda but he actually created the children of Eluvitar both the elves first and then later on the men. Independently of the song, so he did it independently of the Ainur, and the Ainur were just amazed by this, and they and they really loved the elves uh, because of this, because they were separate or, or other than they were. Yes. Um, and so when the elves originally were incarnated in Middle Earth, they they found themselves in a in a lake in the, in the far end, the far eastern end of Middle Earth, called Quivianen. Um, that beautiful name of Quivianen. And and after a time, the Einar discovered them and invited them to live um, in Valinor with them and to leave the dangers of Middle-earth, which by this time was just run over by Morgoth and all his minions.
0: And and where was that situated, this place where they would be safe? Is that...
2: They yes that's in the far west so when in the books when they're talking about going west going mm-hmm. over the sea they're going over the sea of valinor to the blessed realm
0: is that also so, what we see so, later on when when um when frodo ultimately is it frodo who leaves yes, or, 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 or it and, is, yep, and, Bilbo, is ex- and they, they yes. move over they they take he the ship is
2: going across the sea yes he's going to um, Elvenholm, or Tol Eressëa, which is a little different place from Valinor, mm-hmm. because as a mortal, he would not be able to go to Valinor. He would just die instantly, probably. So he's going to this island that's right off the coast, which is called Elvenholm, where the elves go to.
0: Interesting. So could, could so, it be that that can, ship, that ship that we saw on one of these tapestries, could that refer to that the ship that they probably, take at the Gray at the Gray Havens to? Uh, to this well, other
2: place? That or? is probably Arundel Ship, who was uh, Elrond's father. Oh. Arundel took a Silmarillion, and this is a whole this is another podcast. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> We're no getting problem. into a whole nother topic here. But <laughs> yeah, he's he one took of the a ship. Heroes. He is, yes. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to talk about him later. But he took a a Silmaril, and his ship is actually flying as the evening star right now in the sk- in the sky over Middle Earth with one of the Silmarils. So he's, Interesting. A, he's a whole nother topic. Yeah. So that one mm-hmm. tapestry
0: that we saw we with the big see. the big star on it could could also refer to that even star, um, and then the seven the yes, seven exactly. other stars could be some kind of constellation or something like that, or or even uh, perhaps a uh, it, it could just be. Uh, it, it could be the sim- seven
2: lords of the Valar or the Seven Ladies of the Valar. I, I'm yeah, not sure i Or, have or to just look. an abstract um,
3: abstract representation. There's the constellation. Um, uh, it's the state of the Big Dipper, the there is of the in of the sky of the of that of um, seven stars of it. So it's entirely possible that that's a reference to that. of the that's of the state of the maybe that's where all the seven the maybe that's related to the state the seven stars for the the you know, kings of the come from. the mm. really have the no idea. the of of
0: who knows? <laughs>
3: Interesting. I'm
0: going to take a, sh- a short walk while we continue our conversation about the elves. Um, and I'm so glad that it's uh, daylight when we're recording this, because sometimes I'm here in the middle of the night. And, and honestly, uh, 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 Rivendell is always a stunning place, but it's so much more beautiful during the day because it's, you know, it's it's very colorful and I love the architecture and the bright colors of the rooftops and the turrets of all these towers. I'm actually now crossing one of the streams. There's a smaller waterfall here on my right. I'm heading towards the marketplace that we also visited uh, last time. Now, c- can, can one of you tell me something about the the link between elves and and water? Why are... They, they have a special bond with, with the water and it's, it's the sea, but also, has it to do with their origin or...
2: Well, uh, the uh, the legend that they tell is that the water carries some of that music of the Ainur that I just talked about, so that if you if you listen closely enough, you could hear some of that music, and Ah. that's also something we can talk about in another podcast. Uh, You know, whenever we get into into the story there's just so many windows that open but yeah. that might be how galadriel's mirror worked as well is that she's able to look into some of that mirror or some of that music of the Ainur that tells basically the the fate and destiny of the world
0: interesting so if you listen carefully to the water you can hear music just like we use a seashell to uh, to hear the sea in a way is it is
3: it mm-hmm. also I, I always wonder if it's Related also to sort of the 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 call of the—it's not a command, but the the very uh, forceful invitation of the Valar to the the elves in Middle Earth to return to Valinor, and they, it seems like all the elves sort of know, you know, however long they linger in Middle Earth, they will eventually cross over the sea, and so they all sort of—you know—Legolas talks about this a lot in Lord of the Rings that he he feels the sea in his heart um and and is and you know just sort of knows that's his ultimate destiny to go to the sea and cross over and i wonder if that's part of it too
0: okay well again uh, there is so much to explore <laughs> and uh, i i just am i'm flabbergasted by the the depth of this world that tolkien created and all this backstory i mean i i just wonder where he just how he made it up <laughs> this he had such a, a limitless uh, imagination, and I think that that it it, it evolved over time because it, when when he wrote The Hobbit, I think his whole concept of the elves and even of Elrond was very different from what we see later on in um in in The Lord of the Rings. I think even the his the the history of Elrond and his father and also uh, all that was only developed much later when he started uh, developing the backstory of, of the Lord of the Lord of the
3: Rings, right? I, I think yes and no, because the truth of the matter is he was writing the Silmarillion from almost the very beginning. It's just that he didn't initially intend for the Hobbit to be placed in the same world as this other stuff. Um, and he placed references to the the mythology the Silmarillion but he didn't initially think necessarily that the Elrond in the Hobbit was the same Elrond that is the son of Earendil and so uh, at some point when he decided he would actually place the hobbit in that same world then he started you know he kind of tried to sort of better connect the hobbit to the stories that he was telling but but he had these you know this notion of the elves i think was in his brain from the very beginning Uh, i mean it definitely evolved but he was writing the Silmarillion as early as he ever started uh doing the hobbit the hobbit was sort of a children's tale that he started making up to entertain his kids yeah
2: yeah, and and the earliest Silmarillion was written probably 20 years before he wrote The Hobbit. So I didn't know that. Interesting. He sort Interesting. of he sort of made The Hobbit fit into his mythology. So almost as an as a fortuitous sort of chance, he just sort of decided to to stick it in there.
0: Fantastic. Hey, in the meantime, I walked up uh, the hill to uh, the northern part of the of the valley, and I'm now looking down on nature below. Actually, I can't see much of the buildings because it's uh, there are a lot of uh, trees here in the foreground. But I can also see where I came from initially uh, last time when we traveled from the Brunnen River or source to uh, to Rivendell. And I noticed that as, as soon as you leave the protection of Rivendell, uh, you might come across here you might bump into orcs or uh, all sorts of nasty creatures and these orcs have always fascinated me because in a way they do remind me of elves they've got the same pointy ears but it's almost like a caricature of of an elf are these two uh, related somehow is there is is it like a a corrupt version like you have with the the angels like you've got the fallen angels and then you've got the, the the good angels is there, is there a parallel with uh, the elves in, uh, in Tolkien's world?
2: Uh, the, I guess this, the story is that, um, and it's not totally clear, um, that uh, Morgoth took some elves, kind of kidnapped them and corrupted them and turned them into the orcs. Right. So Because he's not able to create things of his own making, he, he took what was already there and corrupted it.
3: Well, and then you but get yeah, you get older. There's the- a lot of he kind of leaves that open, um, and he sort of proposes different um, uh, theories. They may also be men corrupted. Um, oh. I think more generally, it, to say that that they they must be children of Iluvatar, um corrupted, uh, but it's 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 not it's not clear that it's necessarily elves or men. It might be both. Yeah. But the one thing for sure is that he didn't create them independently. Right. Um, right.
0: So it's not a, it's not an, an independent, independent creation, but it's definitely a degeneration of some kind, or perhaps even a, a interbreeding, or who knows. <laughs> the, the the thing is, what what strikes me about uh, the whole mythology of Middle Earth is that beauty is is associated with with also morality, uh, and and as soon as people turn away from um from from love and courage, etc., and from the, the 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 important values, then. Automatically, things turn nasty, and I mean, even in terms of the the areas. If I move upwards from here, if I would go beyond these big gates here, actually, let me turn around. There are some uh, beautiful uh, turrets here that mark the um, the northern uh, exit, actually, to a pass that will lead me to the Misty Mountains. As soon as you go in deep inside the Misty Mountains. The you you will encounter a lot of evil. There are trolls walking around there. Um, uh, the, the the nature becomes more aggressive, but also ugly. It's it's impressive, but at the same time, it's just everything looks dark and grim and dangerous. Whereas the the beauty of the architecture of the elves definitely I think reflects also their moral goodness. And I think that's that's profound. That's that's uh, that's probably also why they create poems and songs and, and all that sprouts from, from goodness. And I think with this kind of connection with beauty and love—it's it's all interconnected, and and one brings forth the other. I never heard of, of orcs creating creating poems. <laughs>
2: So what? A, well, yeah. some of that, some of that might have to do with their history that they did live in the blessed realm too, with the, with the Valar.
0: Yeah. The, so the, yeah, it, it, it's it's probably what you told told me about the um, the music being almost like the original stream of creation. Um, it, 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 I think it's it's very much linked to that. It, it's the elves are are basically just continuing this original creativity of, of, of God. And, uh, and so they become co-creators. And in, in that way, they're, I think, uh, uh, an image of what we as, as human beings are called to be also. I mean, the fact that Tolkien created this world, I mean, there's no real use for it. He he wanted to create a mythology for for England, but that's kind of a almost a technical reason. But it doesn't explain why it had to be so abundant and so detailed and so surprising. Um, but but again, uh, it's, it's one of my teachers in communication used to say that if we create stuff, if we create beauty, if we make songs and if we make paintings or beautiful architecture, is because in in our heart we have traces we have kind of the imprint of the original creator and if we are creative it's because we are joining the the creator with a capital C in his work of creation and we're just perpetuating this i always thought that Well that's was-
2: exactly what Tolkien thought as well that's why he thought that that creating a world like this could be it, it was a was a reflection of of the larger creation
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, I was curious, uh, Josh. Um, th-
2: uh,
0: before we uh, walked up the hill, I first went to the near the waterfall, and, and I bumped into this elf called uh, Glorfindel, and I was hoping that you could tell me a little bit more about this this elf. Is is he important to the story?
4: Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty important uh, to the story. Um, he's uh I guess his most important contribution was that he's, he can kind of scare away the Nazgul. The um, first instance we really meet him, he tells uh, the, um, you know, the, the group that he just scared away three uh, Nazgul from the bridge. And then he, you know, as he's going along, he meets two more and they run away from him too. And then a little bit after that, he and Aragorn you know, cause six of them just to run and drown themselves. So apparently he has the effect where he can scare Nazgul away, which is um, kind of significant, I think.
0: I think it's also linked to the fact that uh, some of these—I don't know if there's a really a hierarchy between the elves, but these 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 very powerful elves—they are not afraid at all of uh, of the Nazgul, of, uh, of of any danger, and uh, their courage, even in, in battle, is is incredible. And I think it's because. Again, there must be this very spiritual link that they have. The, the elves are always a little bit in between the two worlds. They're, they're kind of on the brink of the material world and the spiritual world. And they've got such a strong connection with the forces of good that, you know, even the Nazgul are, are no match.
4: <laughs> At least in the house. Yeah, I think well, that's they... right. Uh, well, I was going to say, like, uh, the, the reference that Gandalf sort of makes about uh, Glorfindel is that... Um, Frodo, as he's sort of fading after he's been stabbed by the the uh, Witch King's blade, he notices this great white light, so he doesn't necessarily see Glorfindel, even though that's what he's looking at. And Gandalf makes the reference that, um, you know, he's an elf lord of the House of Princes, and that whenever uh, Frodo actually saw him, he saw him as he was upon the other side, one of the mighty of the Firstborn. So, yeah, there's something significant to this.
0: Yeah. And, um... So the, the, um, there's this other question that we touched upon um, in the previous episode. I'm, I'm going to walk uh, down the hill again. Uh, we've got to keep moving here. I want to explore more of Rivendell. But uh, the, the question that we touched upon last time was the, this whole idea of the elves being, well, perhaps not immortal, but they do live a long time. And, and uh, if they are killed in battle, that's almost something that's not meant to be. Uh, Dave, can you tell me a little bit more about this this whole concept of immortality of the elves? While I walk back to the marketplace here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they they refer to them they refer to them as immortal because they're long lived and because they don't die natural deaths. They don't die of old age. They don't um, a- they don't age at all. Um, they don't typically die of sickness or any of those sort of. What you would consider natural deaths—they um, can be slain, they can be killed. There are a couple instances of them dying of, of weariness and grief, but they tend to not die. But it, it, their their immortality is is sort of—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not strictly immortality. They're not eternal. They're mm-hmm. or at least they're—they they're, have souls, but their bodies are not eternal. They're bound to the earth. Right. So I think to be technical their their lives are coextensive with the life of Arda with the earth their their fate is bound up to the fate of the earth whereas whereas men when they die they actually de- depart from the circle of earth they de- they sort of depart from time and space the same way we do mm-hmm. or or so we believe anyway yeah and um uh and so they have this sort of very special very close relationship with the earth that allow it gives them you know extensive lifespan in the earth uh, but it also makes them subject to, you know, uh, weariness, um, reluctance to accept change, um, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, it, Tolkien says in his letters that, that elves and men represent the problem of death, um. As seen by a finite but willing and self conscious person that's a quote from him interesting um and he says uh, in another in the same letter he says that um, elves remain in the world either discarnate or being reborn, even so when they're slain, they don't leave the world, they stay in the world, yeah.
0: And so, um, in in the store, in the one of the dramas of of uh, the romantic relationships between elves and humans, and that's a whole topic in itself. Perhaps we can talk about that next time. Um, <laughs> the, you have this this tension between you know the the human counterpart is is mortal and is not going to live as long, and so you've got the, the the elf who survives and has to see everything perish, and and that could explain perhaps why elves are sometimes so nostalgic or how do you say that? Almost like they, they have always got this slight depression, this depression because they see everything kind of wither away around them because they live so long and I, I remember a whole philosophical discussion uh, when I was still studying philosophy in Belgium about the that we, we tend to see our our own mortality as something we don't like. We don't like to even think about the fact that we need to die. However, this philosophy professor, he was kind of arguing that death in itself and the the fact that we have a finite life is a grace. Because imagine mm. that we would live here on this earth forever, and, and, and there's a distinction between living forever, you know, in... in, in in heaven and and you know with God but to live in a in a uh, in in this on this planet you know this earth that is constantly in decay and it's it's dying around you and, it, and imagine just being here forever that's not a very that doesn't give much sense to the things that you do and it makes actually um, life
3: quite pointless
1: true. and that's also what uh, I think uh, Elrond's concern is with the relationship between Arwen and, uh, and Aragorn um,
3: yeah, that's true. He he's, he kind of thinks that she's not really prepared to deal with that uh, with death.
0: In the movies, you've got that that scene where uh, you kind of get a preview of what Arwen will have to go through in 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 the future, and mm-hmm. you see all the elves leave and she stays behind. And isn't it so that elves can actually give up their own immortality, or they can kind of ha- uh,
3: what's what's the what's the deal with that? I think it's... It's kind of a. It's sort of a, a subset of them are allowed to do that, right, Inga?
2: Yeah, that would be only the half elven can do that. Oh, only okay. the ones that have some human blood and some um, some elven blood, or if you are uh, lucky or unlucky enough to fall in love with a human,
4: interesting, such as
2: Luthien or Arwen. So it's almost too. like having a- also. It's almost it's like, ha- ha- like
0: almost like having a double nationality, and 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 you know you're forced to give up one of your <laughs> one of your, one of your passports. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't it in one of the closing scenes that uh, you see that Arwen uh, develops gray hairs in the film? Oh, that's possible. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm
3: here at the, st- well, the, the stables. In the by the way, the of Lord yeah. of the Rings—they have the story of Arwen and and Aragorn, and uh, toward the end, she becomes very. Uh, Aragorn sort of takes the correct attitude toward death, uh, according to Tolkien. He accepts it, and he sort of, even before he's he's, you know, tottering around and just falling apart, he he sort of gives up his life. He sort of willingly says, you know, I've my time is coming. And Arwen is very sort of bitter. She has a very very hard time with it, and and Aragorn scolds her and says, you know. Uh, uh kind of look uh if we're sort of servants of the light if we're good people this is this is how we have to approach death we can't just cling to it cling to it cling to it we have to accept it and and you know we've we've been we have we've we've stood against the shadow since the very beginning and let us not be sort of let us not be overthrown here at the very end because the the, the bitterness of death is too difficult for us to accept.
0: Right. Hey, let me interrupt you here for a second because I walked all the way to the stables, <laughs> of, uh, Elrond stables, but I think we've lost Josh <laughs> along the way, so he must be walking around somewhere in uh, in uh, Rivendell. Inge, can you p- p- perhaps walk back and,
3: uh, and find him for yeah, us? <laughs> I,
1: will, I will see if I can find him.
3: <laughs> it's beautiful um, yeah. Yeah, we also, uh, you know, Tolkien's very. Uh, he he was a um, you know his his profession was a philologist, but he was a he was an academic in a lot of things, and he had a an extensive background in medieval literature, but also mythologies of other countries, um, and in particular. Uh, Germanic and Norse literature is something that he spent a lot of time doing and so um, uh, I think one of our panel members has prepared some things to say about that too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's actually true because um, if you're a little bit familiar with Norse mythology there's just so many um, similarities between the whole creation and cosmology of of, uh, the Simmerillion. Oh really? Um, Yeah, for example um, in um, in Norse mythology, you have, you have also those, those, those groups of, of, of spirits, of mm-hmm. nature spirits. So you have the Aesir and the Vania, that's that are kind of gods. Like in uh, Greek mythology, you have also the Titans and Olympians. It's mm-hmm. a little bit similar. You have the Jutna, the, these are the giants. And uh, later uh, in uh, Scandinavian folklore, they are referred to being trolls. You have the Alvar, elves, and the Dvergar, that they are, these are the dwarves. And uh, so then there are also different worlds. And what's interesting for us is that for example Midgard, so that's the place where we are, so earth. That's uh, if you dissect that word, it's mid middle, mm-hmm. and guard is from yeah, garden, earth, so middle earth. Oh, that's what Midgard means and so and you have the homeworld of the elves, um it's called elf elvenheim, mm-hmm. Alfheimer. And you have the two kind of elves, so what you also uh yeah, Refer to you have black elves and and yeah, light elves, and right. black elves are more similar to, for example, dwarves, and so you have all kinds of, of that kind of elements. And you have also with with elves in themselves, yeah, you have those, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, similar, um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, how they how they existed. And, um, if you are interested in this kind of stuff, you can um, maybe uh, read uh, the Edda, and that's uh, a, yeah kind of mm-hmm. writing from the 13th century from Iceland right and c- credits to Snorri Sturluson for maybe for those uh, interested and he, what he did was just write down all the mythology and that was existing about uh, all the whole pantheon of gods in, in the Norse mythology
0: and it was interesting that, that you you mentioned elves dwarves even giants I know that in yeah. the misty mountains and I, I'm, I'm I'm going to take you guys to the Misty Mountains one of these days, but it's very dangerous there. But I, I actually bumped into a number of giants over there, and uh, they're definitely not good creatures.
2: <laughs> well, I know Tolkien was a big fan of Icelandic, Mythology, because he and a group of his friends used to used to uh, sit around and drink beer and translate Icelandic uh, mythology cool. on the fly, and, and that <laughs> included C.S. Lewis actually. He could it, part could of that it be group.
0: that he got the idea of the dragons also from uh, from those countries or from mythology from those countries? Because I sure. think the dragons yeah, yep. are also mm-hmm. heavily uh, uh, yeah. There are quite a number there. of
1: dragon stories, for example, in the Nibel Nibelungen Saga, mm-hmm. so uh, Beowulf. Beowulf. Beowulf, yeah, you know, that's also yeah. part of the of the Edda. Yeah.
0: Actually, I forgot to say that in the last homely house, there was also a big tapestry of a of a fire spewing dragon, and I wouldn't be surprised if that dragon actually refers to the dragon that uh, that Bilbo encounters in the in the Hobbit, <laughs> yeah. the one that is guarding. Well, it them. could be a
3: lot of other could be a lot of other. That was. Oh, the, really? Oh, that's that the, the only no dragon death, that I know. <laughs> More, Morgoth, Morgoth, the the uh, the prime evil as uh, Tolkien calls him, his mm-hmm. sort of last ditch uh, war effort in the final war against the the good forces is to release a bunch of wing dragons. That was his last great uh, research and development project, oh, you might call it. Really, uh, wow! And they they were fearsome, and they pushed back the uh, the elves and the Valar until. Arendelle showed up with um, his flying ship and, uh, and all the, the birds of uh, Arda fighting against the dragons. Yeah, maybe
1: we can include these things in, in a different podcast because lots of uh, names also uh, yeah, pop mm-hmm. up in the Edda. For example, the name of Gandalf. Oh, that's really? The name of a king in the, in, in the oh. in the, one of the sagas, the saga of Thornstein.
0: Yeah, it could be very huh. interesting to do a whole uh, to do some research on the on the origin of these names because I I think that uh, <laughs> Tolkien definitely took a lot of these names from existing mythology um, and uh, well I guess that's what you get if you have to populate a world as big as Middle Earth. You're bound to run out of uh, out of ideas at one point, point. so <laughs> I don't mind him min- mining all these old m- mythological stories for uh, for inspiration. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up for um, for what I wanted to know today about the elves and their history. I'm walking back to uh, to the uh, southern side of uh, of Rivendell. The sun is already setting. Days are very short here. Time seems to be uh, completely warped in, uh, in Middle-earth. Oh, wait. <laughs> I can't proceed here. I, th- I thought it was a bridge, but there's just a big stream in, in the distance, and I, I'm not a good swimmer with all this armor on, so I'll just, uh, I'll just head back here. <laughs> and uh, So um, thanks a lot for all the background information so far. W- what are we going to do next time? Who are we going to visit, or what I- shall we explore?
2: I think we're gonna stay in Rivendell next time, and we're gonna talk about uh, Arwen and Aragorn, and Beren and Luthien.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Well, yeah, well, yeah. So let's we'll talk, talk about, about their these, love stories. These these uh, mixed uh, relationships, <laughs> and whether that uh, is a is a blessing or a curse. Yeah, I'll have to go find that bridge where uh, where they first kiss. <laughs> or what what is that she, thing uh, that they do? She, doesn't Arwen give uh, some uh, like a, a what is it? Um, like jewelry? To, uh, yes, or
2: necklace. Yes, or necklace? jewel.
0: Film only. Of course, yeah, yeah. There <laughs> lots of differences between the movies and the books. And of course, since you guys are all literary... Uh, how do you say that? You, I, I, I assume that... Geniuses? Or jerks. Well, no, I wouldn't jerks, say that. Yeah. But I, I assume that since you know the book so well, you, you must sit there, you know, with... Uh, <laughs> watching these movies try, like try what, what,
2: what
1: What did they do what did they do <laughs> well, we can oh, talk I, about I, that later also I'm I a moratorium yeah. on that
3: I'm not yeah. allowed to do that anymore <laughs> to talk about <laughs> that well anyway it's um, should we do some like show notes like uh, or or not show notes um some of the others, like we have a animal poll question at the time, and then also let's talk about the yeah. Hold on, fan pay. Hold on, I can, I can
0: barely hear you because I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm crossing the bridge of Rivendell, and this is not far from the, the big um, waterfall. So the the noise of the water is a, is very overpowering. Hold on, yeah. Let's let's mention some <laughs> stuff at the uh, at the end of this show, uh, because people we we would love for our audience to join us in the preparation and also the further discussion about the themes that we touch upon in these episodes. And in order to do so, there are a number of things uh, for you uh, that that people can use to get in touch with us. First of all, of course, we've got a an email address, which is kind of the basic way to to reach us. It is Tolkien at sqpn. Dot com, Tolkien at SQPN.com. So that's the place where you can send us your feedback and questions and suggestions. Ooh, I've got a nice view of the whole Valley of Rivendell from this point. I can't get enough of the view here. Anyway, <laughs> get distracted all the time. Um, but you also created a Twitter account, isn't it, uh, Dave? Uh,
3: yes, sir. Um, it's just SQPN Tolkien. And right now what it's doing is it's, it's synced up with the, um, the status, the things we post on the wall of our Facebook fan page, which is Secrets of Middle Earth with the cool. dash in the middle of it um, uh, on Facebook. So definitely go join the Facebook or like the Facebook fan page and follow the Twitter account and send us emails and um, go to the Facebook fan page and go in the discussions and please post and discuss. We would like to have a robust debate.
0: Yeah, actually I've, I've got a... a, a Somewhat of a of a very hot new thing that we just launched the other day, and uh, in addition to the fan page, we've created a community on the SQPN website. And SQPN is kind of the 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 big network uh, that that is the uh, the umbrella of all the shows that we produce, and uh, we we just created. Um, a community website and you can go there and sign up for an account and it's uh, it's free of course. It's community.sqpn.com It's still in beta so it's kind of hidden just like Rivendell. It's, it's not easy to get there but it's a great place to hang out with uh, Tolkien fans. So go to Community.sqpn.com, and uh, once the the elves let you in, uh, and you've created your account, you can, you can go and join the group for the secrets of uh, of Middle Earth, and that's also a, a great place, not only to to talk, but you can share, you know, pictures. There's a forum. Uh, it's I I, th- I I can see this kind of replacing the Facebook page in the future, or we'll keep the Facebook page as kind of the the portal to uh to the community that's there and, and we use
3: it to promote yeah, uh and yeah. get people to the community page
0: yeah because a lot of people find us via facebook and then of course we want to bring them over to our secret little rivendell hangout
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started Paula, do def- you
0: have one of the rings
3: <laughs> say again <laughs> i said do you have one of the rings is that how you No, not not community? really
2: <laughs> the ring of podcast power <laughs>
3: One
0: side to rule them all. SQPN.com. <laughs> <dot> <laughs> and that's about I, I, it, right? I, I hear a new promo coming. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yes. Well, talking about promos, uh, we actually need your help and with you, I mean the listeners to help promote this show. We've been we've been gone from Middle Earth for years. I, I started this, this show years ago and then there was this huge hiatus and so a lot of the people think that we've disappeared forever, that we just took the ships to, you know, the West and we will never come back to, uh, <laughs> to these earthly realms. But actually, we're back and we want people to know that. And the way that you can help us promote the show and tell, you know, Tolkien fans or people that play Lord of the Rings Online about the show is simply by, by you know, if you're you're hanging out in Lord of the Rings Online, tell the people of your kinship about us. Tell the people that you, you know, you meet about our show point them to secrets.sqpn.com you can also again like our Facebook page that will help us you can and this is a very uh, efficient way to um, to to get this show out there is by going to iTunes We'll include a link in the show notes on on, um, sqpn.com. Go to iTunes and write a review. Because a lot of the reviews that you see over at iTunes of this show is like, oh, this was an awesome show, but, you know, it's completely faded away, and there are no new episodes, and, ah. So a lot of people complaining that there were no new updates. Well, we're back and we need you to promote the show. So go over to iTunes and write us a, a review or, or just rate the show if you don't have time for a, a review, just to giving it some stars, how appropriate for uh, this uh, star-themed uh, episode with the stars being kind of the symbol of the elves. Um, yeah, we would uh, really appreciate that a lot well dear panel members that was it for today it's time to uh, head home to our hobbit holes and um, I'll jump on my horse (laughs) so again thanks for uh, joining us today this was the secrets of Middle Earth oh perhaps we should end with a nice quote do we have a Tolkien quote for uh, the end of this episode
3: Laura's got one for us
2: yes we do it is uh, from Gandalf, and it's he who breaks the thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom.
0: Wow. That's a good one. I'll That's need a, I'll need at least a week to think about that <laughs> one. <laughs> so see you all next week, and uh, thanks for listening. God bless. I regret to announce this is the end. I'm going now. Bid
4: you all a very fun farewell. Goodbye. SQPN,
2: leading the way in Catholic New Media.